Welcome to this bonus episode of the Limitation is Mirage podcast. On this episode, I have Billy Kirkwood. Billy's a comedian, a radio DJ. He's wrote plays. He's wrote pantomimes. He has traveled the world with some wrestlers, and he's also a compare for Insane Championship Wrestling. So in this episode, we talk about all of that and more, how we got to know each other through Daly's Comedy Club when we were working together, uh, some of the wrestlers that he's worked with. He shows me his Intercontinental belt, which was the most exciting thing that ever happened, ever. Uh, the belt's awesome. Uh, he also claims he will bring it around the next time he's over so I can try it on. Um, so I really hope you enjoy this conversation. If you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to me or Billy and I'll speak to you again soon. Hey guys, welcome to this episode. I am here with Billy Kirkwood, who is a comedian, announcer and all-round awesome guy. Billy, could you give a quick introduction for anyone that doesn't know who you are? All right. Uh, first of all, my I've got I've got one question before we kick off. Actually, am I right to swear? Oh yes. Oh yeah. fuck yes, right. Okay. Uh, <laughs> my name is Billy Kirkwood. Uh, stand-up comedian, uh, radio presenter as well. I also am the voice and broadcaster of Insane Championship Wrestling here in Scotland. I gig all over the planet. I do kids shows. I produce pantos. I do a little bit of everything. All right. Not awesome, but all right. I get there. I get there. I think you did quite awesome. We met in Bailey's a few years back when you came for the was Oma last back. Was that was your first time over? Uh, do you know? I think I came across the Dailies once before, like on like uh, a mini tour. I think yeah. I came across once before, and then uh, they came back. They brought me back for Oma last back. Um, and then I ended up becoming like the host of the late and live for the next <laughs> kill. I don't remember how that happened. I think I was on the lineup and then I ended up becoming the host. So, and people had been on the beer before we got there, and then they were like, Billy, can you sort of tie all this together? So, people, because it would have just been a complete random scene. Uh, whenever just whenever you said about kids' shows, Ed, I found that interesting. That was the end of one of your shows. And we were talking and then you'd said, oh, I do kids stuff as well. And I was thinking, how do you go from the madness that went on on stage <laughs> to, hello, children, how are you? Well, tell good. I, mean, I, I don't know, man. I think it's kind of like, uh, it's like the music's the same, but the words are different. Uh, there's, there's not a huge difference. I mean, I, I always joke with these several different billies in here. Um, <laughs> Um, but I, no, I don't, I don't find it that 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 hard. I mean, I've like I say, I've, I've written pantos and performed in pantos, and you got to know what the line is. But you got to make sure you're entertaining the kids and the families, uh, and you can be silly. I mean, you look at somebody like Paul Curry, who's like a like you can be silly. Just let your imaginations go. That's uh, I think that's the whole thing, and I'm more than willing to do that as an adult talking to an adults. So I have no fucking problem doing it with uh, kids and just having a laugh and you know their little imaginations and their little energy are just enough to to carry you along and just and have a good time. I, I, yeah, I really enjoy doing kids shows. I'm, I'm gutted that this will be the first year without a panto in like five years. I'm really, really gutted. I don't know. Like my sister was involved in the Oma panto and even for her, she's like, that's just madness that normally now is the time where you're starting to get involved and drill into it. Whenever you're talking about the acting like acting the fool and messing about, do you think that's important for adults to do? I personally feel that adults are very adulty, for want of a better term. They need to be straight laced and stuff. So, um, you know, I came I came from a from a house of men that had 
um, a sense of humour certainly, but they didn't play a lot. Like I'm, I'm the youngest in my family, but like quite a, a margin. Uh, and I, I think I've always just had that interest in playing. I think for adults, it is just to let your imaginations go and like, what's the worst that can happen? Well, you're going to look a fool. Some stranger looks at you in tuts or something. Well, screw them. Uh, I, I think it's very important, particularly during this time, you know, uh, um, they kind of locked up and whatever 2020 is. I think, it, yeah, I think it's really important to sort of let your imaginations fly and a little bit of a release, whatever that is, whether it's going out and singing karaoke in the back garden or, you know, uh, just playing with your kids. I mean, if you've got, it's easy to do when you've got little kids, I'll say that, because sometimes just get immersed in the game. Like one of our favorite games is Robot Hand. Now I'll explain what Robot Hand is very quickly. You get tinfoil, you put it in your hand and you chase each other around. <laughs> that is, that game can go on for hours <laughs> but it's just it giving like yourself a, it sounds like a fancier version of the claw from layer layer like claw, it's not not a million miles away not a million miles away but uh, all we know is that if one of us comes into the room with tinfoil in our hand it's fucking game on <laughs> it's game on no matter what you're doing you're just in from the shuttle like, I've come in I've come in from like gigging or whatever and I've been in a bad mood like, oh Jesus Christ but if my my son Maury is there with tinfoil in his hand mood's gone because I'm getting chased by a fucking robot and I need to be ready to go and uh, I just think that's a big thing is to remind yourself you know it's always better on the, the the happy bus the silly bus I would say than worrying about fiscal mortgage and decimal points and what have you every day every moment in your life you're going to make yourself sick yeah, I love the idea that it's not a structured game where, right, we're going to go play robots. So I, whenever I talk to people, I always talk about, like, finding out the things in your family, like, know your mom's favourite song, know your sister's favourite song. So if they're ever feeling sad, you can just, instead of going over and saying, oh, are you all right, or what's going on, you can just yeah. play the song, and that elevates the mood. So the fact that, that you have a game that your son could look at you and go, oh, Dan's in bad form. He doesn't have to think, right, what do I do to fix this? He just goes, where's the tinfoil? And vice versa, I imagine you do it just as often whenever the kids are kicking off or whatever, you just wrapping yourself oh, yeah. in tinfoil. If, if they hear tinfoil rustling in the kitchen upstairs, you will hear them literally go, oh no! <laughs> because they know the game's on. <laughs> they know the game's on from a, from a story up. It's like, well, we've got to be ready, he's coming. Um, but that's oh, it's just a silly thing and, lo- and, there's, and there's so many silly things I've written albums worth of songs about my kids which are completely random um, just uh, yeah, yeah, yeah it's just uh, I, I think it's a, an important thing to do as an adult because if all you do is grind yourself down into hey we all fall into that trap we all fall into that trap that we get tied up with work and what have you but um, it's been a big thing for me to try and enjoy life try and enjoy moments because I'm terrible for Terrible for just letting them race by. I'm in the moment and then I'm on to the next thing, but it's sometimes it's just important to sort of savor. What is it that you think that changed that for you, that you went from just letting moments race by to think to yourself, like, it's time to settle and enjoy the moments? And Is there anything that happened or did you just do it? You know, the last four years have been crazy because um, I've been doing the radio um, we obviously had another kid and I've still been full-time stand-up um, as I got to be and I just found that when you find yourself working seven days a week and you know that from you know doing magic and the, all the other things you've, you've, you're never really off 
yeah. and you're always you are you always kind of shifting from one thing to another and i just found particularly when i turned 40 um and i think it was a big thing and it wasn't the number 40 it was the fact that I'd nothing I'd nothing really happened for my 40th birthday and it was my fault because <laughs> no one can really plan for me because I'll be busy doing this, I'll be busy doing that. What are you doing the next weekend? What are you doing, oh, all right, well, what about that weekend? And I would have something on. And I realized that, all right, so I'm actually doing other people out of that experience. I'm not savoring the time to enjoy it. I've got, the, I've got little kids now. Um, I'm not living in the moment. And I think that's really important is, is, actually, is actually living in the moment. Don't sit there worrying so much about what's going to happen. Like, enjoy the moment now because tomorrow's not set. You know, tomorrow's not set. You can't do anything about the past. Uh, you can, you can worry, I guess you can worry about it a little bit, but, uh, but you can't let it dwell on you. And it kind of came about that. It's like, it'd be better to enjoy the moments because I mean, my son's seven now. Uh, the other one's just turned uh, four. We've got an eight-month-old in the house. And it's like, fuck, I don't want to be turning around one day driving my son to his girlfriend's house and going, oh, shit, where did, where did all that? time go where did all that thing go you know so uh, um and and just missing the moments in life i don't i don't want to i don't want to miss them so and i'm at that age now where it's like you should be thinking about stuff like that don't get me wrong i, I still go at a fair pelt but <laughs> if, if something cool comes along i like to go i'm going to enjoy this yeah. right? i'm gonna i'm gonna this is gonna be i'm gonna enjoy this moment and and really savor it and you know there'd been a couple of like selfishly talking about it from gigs and what have you and then a couple of things like i always remember um well barely remember it um i did uh, um the first time icw were at the hydro and there were six thousand fans there six thousand fans there uh what a great time uh, uh what a long night long night long hard night but instead of going out and having a beer afterwards i went home because i was on the radio the next morning i didn't take the radio off i didn't do anything like that because i was i'd gone from this big thing and i was already on to the next one yeah like it, it just all that happened the way we go um and it struck me as stupid like why didn't i take the morning off it wouldn't have been a big deal is it just the sheer fear of maybe if i don't keep moving that i'll just you know you know disappear it's like it's gonna come to us all one day so there's no point in worrying about it but uh, yeah, it was stuff like that. And then and then, uh, supported Tim Mitchin, I remember. That was a big gig. 5,000 people. I'm told that was amazing. <laughs> uh, I'm told that was amazing. But I barely remember it. I barely remember it. I just didn't take time to savour it. I think I finished my set and I went running back to somewhere else to meet someone. I, why did I not take the time to do that? That was just part of my makeup. And I think to stop and learn from experiences and savor them is only going to make me better, a better person, a better performer, a better, better maybe even better at managing my time. Do you know, it's uh, maybe less of a grumpy twat, maybe, maybe. I think it, it, it comes from, like I know from experience, whenever I first started doing performances, yeah, because you have nothing set in stone, you, you, like for all you know, the per person could cancel, the venue could cancel, you could get put off the radio, anything could happen. Yeah. So. My head was always about the next one, right? This one's definitely happening in a minute. I do it and I'm 100% there when I do it. And then once I'm like, right, plan the next gig, what's next? And like, yeah. I've seen myself chatting to people after a gig, thinking 
about what I could do slightly better for the next one to improve that. And then later on, someone will say, oh, what are we chatting to them about? And I'll be like, I, I don't know. No idea. I'm no, I don't know what they're talking about. Um, so I think I, it could come from, from there as well. Because some of the experiences you have are like, as a wrestling fanboy, whenever we started talking about the wrestlers you toured with, I was like, that like, that was a, that was the dream when you were younger. To, not to meet the wrestlers, but you actually, we yeah. don't know that a wee bit since that randomly came into my head, but you've toured with some old school wrestlers that has, like, did you grow up as a wrestling fan your whole life? Or Oh God, yeah. I, uh, I'm i old enough to remember wrestling when it was still on ITV. You yeah. know, uh, Pat McMahon. Uh, <laughs> exactly. I remember when ITV though, um, I, I'm sorry, I remember when like WWF and WCW started coming to these shows and I just fell in love with that American. And I'm I'm a nerd about wrestling. Uh, like, you know, I watch stuff from Japan. God, I fucking watch myself watching professional wrestling from Brazil the other day. What the fuck's wrong with me? Uh, <laughs> I really don't. I mean, I can't talk to anybody about this. What is wrong with me? Uh, and YouTube is the biggest customer wrestling I could ever have because then you're just you know way down we what's this yeah. it was a it was a second version of the WCW hardcore belt from 1997 I must go and investigate <laughs> uh, what the hell um, but um, yeah I got I was I was really lucky I was a wrestling fan all my life wrestling fan all my life and uh, still am to this day which is crazy but uh, as I actually quite enjoyed lockdown just kind of being a fan yeah. Um, and and join AEW and WWE and just uh, I've quite I've quite enjoyed it. Don't get me wrong, there's still ICW things ongoing, but um, yeah, I've really I've, I'm still a wrestling fan. I always will be. What's your What's your favorite wrestling match from the old days? Oh God, man, there's so many. That's such a hard question. That's such a hard I, question. Mine, just to make it easier, mine's is definitely WrestleMania Six Hogan Warrior. See that that that's one that did spring to mind. I love. But, um, I think, and you've got to watch the whole show. I think. Yeah. You see Hogan versus Andre. It's not that great a match, but fuck me, that buzz of Americana just going around the place and the crowd—they're just like going, "Andre's gonna kill him! Andre's gonna kill him!" You know, just like, "Come on, Hulk! You've got to do something!" Uh, I just, I love that. I love that. Wow. I, I, mean, I, I mean, I could pick so many. Stone Cold versus Bret Hart, WrestleMania uh, 13, I think it was. Uh, yeah. That's an amazing match. Um, okay, I could keep going. I could keep going. <laughs> more, but, um, I was going to name some obscure Brazilian match. Pablo versus somebody. For the, for the, for the record, they were utter crap <laughs> <laughs> for the record they were utter crap but uh, what they only get better is it still the same like one of the things I loved about wrestling back in the day as well was the promos I loved watching just the complete yeah. madness like Macho Man like when you think about it Macho Man did this cool turn but when you really look at it he's just doing a Columbo every time <laughs> like he just does a wee like Columbo turn back into the mic and does a does a rant in it so I, I love I love those times, man, because they were like real showmen. They were, you know, real crazy, wild showmen. Uh, the, the carnival, but I, I love a good promo that extends a storyline, and you know, oh my god, they're thinking four weeks ahead. Little things like that. There's a whole art to the storytelling that I I love almost as much as actually watching the ring. But the the stories they tell, 
in the ring and with their promos. Don't get me wrong, ain't all good. Ain't all good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, ain't all good, but uh, yeah, that's an aspect of it I really, really love. I do love a good promo. I hate, I love a bad promo as well. Jesus I, yeah, they're far better, yeah. <laughs> if you ever get a chance, look up Jeff Farmer. It's the worst fucking promo in the world. Worst fucking promo in the world. There's a guy that keeps talking about how he's going to come over the guy, and come over you, and like a whatever, and just like real brutal. But he doesn't, I doesn't seem like he knows what he's talking about. You're like, what are you on about here? Yeah, he's clearly, he clearly means come as in like beat him up, but he yeah. keeps saying the word come, and it's like, you know, somewhere there's someone with a headset going, can we, can he just stop saying the word come? Can someone hold up a sign or something? Yeah. Stop saying come, people think it's jizz. <laughs> yeah, I, I love the old, the old school stuff. Who have you, who have you toured with? I know we, we talk personally about it, but who, who? Do you know, I've, I've got to tour with people, but I've got to interview people and I've got to work with them as well, uh, even in ICW. So in terms of touring and the spoken word things, uh, I've got to work with DDP, Diamond Dallas Page, Mike Foley, Roddy Piper, uh, William Regal, uh, did a bit of stuff with Batista, which was fun. Um, uh, who am I missing? Uh, and I've got to sit down and interview the likes of The Godfather, which was fascinating. Fascinating guy, man. Really, really fascinating. Angle as well. He was Papa Shango as well, yeah. Um, really fascinating dude. Um, uh, Mr. Mr. Well, Mr. Anderson, I got to sit down and have a chat with him. He was an interesting guy as well. Really interesting guy. He's he's one of those. Uh, I don't think he. Well, we're still we're pals. We're pals on Facebook, um, which is odd. Uh, <laughs> when, you, when you see a friend request coming in from <laughs> Mr. Anderson, what? <laughs> um, um, and uh, Rhino as well so a bunch of guys and then there's the ones that have come into ICW you know um, getting a chance to do a bit of work with Kurt Angle which was nice well, talking to Kurt Angle about his match is quite cool because uh, five minutes chatting to Kurt Angle about what he's thinking and you're like oh my god that is fucking amazing um, and a bunch of other guys so yeah we've been, we've been really lucky I, I thought it was funny like whenever we talked the last time we talked about touring with Roddy Piper yeah. And just when you're saying about like getting a friend request and stuff, that you're saying they just do become your your buddies, and you end up. I remember you told me about going for dinner at some like fancy house with him and. Yes, yeah, it's um. Well, that was the weird thing, like because I met, I think I met Rod a couple of days into his tour. Maybe it was only the day. It was the first day. I can't. Remember. Do you know what I? don't even remember where I'd been, but I knew that I was fucking tired. <laughs> That's all I can remember. I don't know where I'd been the night before. I think I'd been in like Inverness or somewhere crazy the night before. Um, um, and I met him and to him I was just a, an act and I think I was doing a lot of the driving, which I was happy to do. I'm a terrible passenger in the car. See if I'm not driving or... or if, if you can say I can sit in the back and go to sleep, then that's fine. And I can take my pillow, and that's fine. But if I'm not doing that, then fuck's sake, put me behind the wheel because I am a terrible passenger. I'm awful. Um, but I met him there, and uh, and we became pals over a couple. I think he, when he established that I wasn't a complete dick, uh, <laughs> which, in all fairness, when someone looks at me, they might be like, "What the fuck's going on with this asshole?" You know. Um, um, and we became pals. It was nice to talk comedy with him. Do you know what I mean? It was nice because he was really. It's a real shame, and if there's any wrestling fans that are ever interested, I know he did stuff at the comedy store in LA. I would have loved for you to have seen his show because it was funny. 
he started getting really, really funny and really, really sharp. And it's a real bloody shame. I, I, I would love it if there was a video out there somewhere because it would be, it'd be worth seeing. But we became pals. And I remember when we toured over, uh, I think, I know we were near Dublin, right? I know we were near Dublin. But I think this happened on the way to Cork when he goes, I need to meet, uh, go and meet a friend of mine that's a baron. It's like, what? <laughs> it's just not a phrase you hear people say very often. A baron? A b what? And I started, it sounded daft, but I started getting really protective of him. I remember going, what does this baron want, Rod? <laughs> he, wants to make a, he wants to make a film with me, and I, well, while you're here. No, no, no. What, does he have experience making films? Like, I literally see it, and we went to this uh, big uh, mansion in the middle of bloody nowhere, and his his mum was a, a former architect, and I miss Brazil. There's Brazil coming back, <laughs> um, and there was all these pictures on the wall of his ancestors. Like one was like a painter, one was an architect, and one was like, and they all looked like him. And uh, and you're in this huge house now. They were clearly the type of people that, you know, I've got to track them down. I've got to find out who they are. Um, they're clearly the type of people that had lots of assets but not a lot of money. Like, I remember them actually saying stuff like, oh, we need to open it to the public every now and then so we've got some money. And you're like, what the fuck does that even mean? Like, in the middle of this whole thing, I am having a breakdown, especially when Miss Brazil, has the Baron's mum goes, oh, you seem very interested. Do you want to see the museum we've built to his dad's art in the mansion? It's like, all oh, right, who, who comes to see that? Is did the public come and see that when you open up? Oh, no, no, no. So there's a museum in the mansion, but nobody sees that apart from you guys. That's right. Look, we got we got programs printed. I'm like, the fuck is going on? So I'm sitting at this table eating a uh, wheat and bread, which is oh, like my mum made. It was really nice. And what appeared to be little lasagna. I'm not entirely sure. And I'm eating, and I look up, and across from me is a former Miss Brazil, a Irish Baron. Um, although he wasn't very Irish, so we won't get into all that. Um, and Roddy Piper. <laughs> And I just remember going, what the fuck is going on? We are talking before we came on about savouring moments and, you know, and yeah. we were talking about savouring. That was, I remember going like, oh, how, how did I get in this? I was going to let this go. Like, I was too busy eating my dinner. It's like, oh my God. So, uh, um, yeah, that was such a weird experience. I thought we killed him. That was the other worry. And when we were in Manchester, he went answer his door. And I remember actually saying to uh, Chris Brooker who organised the tour and uh, was the director of the tour and actually saying I can't go back to Scotland if I've gone on tour with Roddy Piper and he's died like I I don't believe I can go back to Scotland <laughs> I don't think I'll be welcome I think folk will come after me <laughs> I've, I was making plans for my wife to move <laughs> to <laughs> Manchester but luckily uh, he then opened like and this was like in maybe like I don't know, two minutes, <laughs> all these thoughts went through my head. And then he opened the door and it was, I could have hugged him. I literally could have, oh, Jesus Christ. But he was in his boxer shorts and I didn't want to make it weird. It would, yeah, it would be quite strange. Um, and then DDP, a lot of people are gonna, who aren't wrestlers are going to know who DDP is now because of his yoga. Um, yeah, you, yeah. You use yoga as well and you actually practice the yoga. I do, I do. I've been uh, doing DDP for about uh, five years. Uh, I love it. I absolutely love it. I I got into it because it was um, something that, um, as a wrestling fan, you hear about DDP using this to like rebuild his back and what have you. And you go, well, that that's got to be good. It's quite good for weight loss. And when you get into, uh, I like the idea that it helped with 
weight loss and uh, strengthening. And there was elements about it. When I don't do any of these things. I go to the gym, I do cardio, I lift weights, and then I go home. So there's a whole big bit that I'm missing. Uh, and I love it, man. I, abs- I absolutely love it. A buddy of mine's uh, is the only Scottish DDP yoga instructor. So I hook up with him a lot. And it's great. It's an, it's, technology's amazing. There's an app on my phone now that tracks all my workouts. And every now and then I'll get a wee message from DDP going, you're doing great. Cheers, mate. <laughs> um, and uh, you know when you find yourself buy, buying yoga blocks and yeah. Bluetooth monitors and the toes and the, the slippers with the toes, the whole thing out, you I go, things have taken a turn. They are, they are amazing. I watched a few different things, different old school wrestlers talking about how DDP saved them. Um, like Chris Jericho and I think Shawn Michaels was talking about it as well. That DDP, just doing the yoga with them, with DDP's yoga, sort of. And the Jake the Snake thing as well. The What was it called, the documentary about him? Uh, I think The Resurrection of Jake the Snake. Yes. Whatever. <laughs> you watch it. Again, just old, like I love all the old school stuff. Except the bit where um, was it Razor Ramon landed in the wheelchair? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's a fantastic documentary. Yeah, uh, it's it's uh, um, but that's just, like the fact that wrestling. I mean, the the current WWE uh, World Heavyweight Champion uh, Drew McIntyre he uses it as well. A lot of them yeah. do. A lot of them. A lot of them do the tra- the training, uh, and I think uh, I think he used to at least go to the. Performance center in Orlando. I don't think he does now because of his uh, association with the AEW for the moment. But um, I'm sure that'll change. I'm sure they'll work everything out. When Vince needs it, when Vince McMahon needs some DDP yoga, he'll get boom straight on it. Yeah. You would imagine that Vince would definitely need it. The amount of madness he's done over his career and the. Bloody hell. I saw, I saw a video of him from that uh, jump that Rob Gronkowski, everybody's. Rob Bloody was the guy from WrestleMania when he had to take like a twenty-five foot dive. Yeah, it's a video online if you want. Everyone to check it out. That's a that's a seventy-six-year-old billionaire just goes. Oh no, this is how you do it, and he just does it in front of everybody. He just snaps it off, and he's not even batting an eye. And you're like, holy crap! Uh, and he did the. Um, uh, if you remember, you might not remember this, but it's an iconic image from his career. Shawn Michaels WrestleMania twelve did the zip line in. Yeah, Vince did it first. To show him it worked, Vince did it. No, he didn't get a stunt man. Didn't get another one. Vince did it. So yeah. I, I got to admit, as much as I admire what he's done for pro wrestling and what he's done for pop culture, I fucking admire that. That that's uh, they must be they must be somewhere there must be accountants and lawyers losing their fucking mind every time Vince McMahon leaves a house. You think they would post that? Because whenever you think about Vince doing stuff, the thing that comes to mind the most is remember when he ran into the ring and dived and hit both his thighs, like blew oh. out both his quads on the way in, and had to like do it all sitting at the bottom on on his ass. So what? What a fucking badass! Right. Like, what? like that's like one of the worst tears you can do, and he did it twice. Yeah, he did it twice. And continued on, hammered on. Oh bloody! Hell. Oh, that gives me the. Oh, that gives me the book just thinking about it. <laughs> Jesus. Like, oh, God. Well, you would think with that mad power walk he does that he'd have, like, just the strongest quads in the world. Uh, God, man. I forgot. <laughs> I, I, I blocked that from my mind. I had blocked that from my mind. Settle down. Back in. Settle down, Mr. McMahon, sir, if you don't mind. Uh, 
Where were we? Oh, all right. So we got again because I, I love wrestling. Again, I don't watch a while out of it now, but I just loved all the old cool. I love seeing old guys appear. Like, oh, he just saw you. Uh, I'm just gonna stare at the screen. Looking. Oh, I don't know. I don't know where I've got, I've got my intercontinental belt around somewhere. Like it's an yeah. old school intercontinental belt. I don't know. Fuck it. I, I think I'll pack that away. Uh, oh no, oh no, no, no. Hang on. Check this motherfucker out. <laughs> Look at that. That is awesome. How did hey. you get uh, I got it for my 30th birthday. Didn't get one from my 40th. I just noticed that. I didn't get yeah, like. I was just thinking that too, yeah. I wanted yeah. I wanted the eagle belt, the eagle belt. Do you know what I mean? This is this this was the belt. Uh, this was the belt. Warrior and Macho Man and Bret Hart and Mister. This one. This is a fucking intercontinental belt. This. Um, oh, my pride and joy. It's my absolute pride and joy. I remember at one point I started taking it to wrestling shows, and every time you would wait, sorry, uh, uh, to stand up gigs, I had a bit of it. I got material about being a wrestling fan, and whenever I bring it out, you would inevitably there'd be a portion of them that would go wrestling. But they'd always at least be a portion that'd be like, respect, respect, <laughs> and then inevitably a queue of guys afterwards going, can I can I try the belt on? Yeah, <laughs> it's like, can I, can I, I haven't changed it off. <laughs> I'll bring it across next time I come over. I'll bring it. Yes. I'll bring it. We can we can all have a go. That'll be great. Um, <laughs> how did we how did we get off? Oh, I was going to ask you about your creativity because you you live such a an exciting life, like. Where did your creativity stem from? Like, I remember one part of your show you did was the tattoo part. We talked yeah. about all your different tattoos and you asked people about their tattoos because I love a tattoo story as well because all mine have meaning. Mm-hmm. And then when I, anytime I had talked about mine and other people's in the past, it was very serious conversations I would have, like, this meant this and this is why this. And then I saw your routine. It was like, all right, they can, like, it can be a bit lighter, like, with it, so wh- where do you think your creativity is? Uh, where, where, where is it born from? Do you know? Um, it's hard to tell. I've always been relatively creative minded in terms of a performer. Um, it's hard to tell. Like, I'd always been when I was growing up, I was always into writing, not necessarily good writing, uh, but writing and art. So, I'd always, I'd always come from that place. But it wasn't until like late, late, late in like secondary school I showed any interest in performing. And even then I was kind of like, well, it's not really, is that something I'm meant to do? Or is that something that you know people much better looking or from a higher class or something are meant to do? Um, and I enjoyed it. I, I literally enjoyed it. So in terms of where, um, and even now, I, I, mean, I've, I mean, I've got ADHD, so there's not much I can really do about it. But um, in terms of there is always a drive to create something, to do something. That might not necessarily be a good thing because the number of times I say I'll have 20 ideas. I know for a fact I probably don't have time to do any of them, but I can have 20. I've got, I mean, I've got a phone here full of notes um, um, and I say yes to everything, so I can't really help myself. But um, in terms of creativity, I think there's an element of fulfillment, an element of challenge and an element of fear. Um, and all those are good things. Uh, to be scared of something, uh, I think, is is very healthy. Um, like like you're saying, stand, standing up in front of a, a room of people to go, I'm going to do a show about tattoos, and I'm hopefully going to make it light in it. And I don't know what these people are going to throw at me. Yeah. I have 
I have no idea what these people are going to throw at me. Um, all I can hope about is make it enough that there's a rapport and we can have some fun with it. So, and I remember doing, like, I remember having the name for that show before I took it to the Fringe and not really the show. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, a show and a poster and they're all good to go. Uh, and then... Oh, what's that, mate? What was the name of it? It was called Show Me Your Tattoo. It was kind of... I was Ron sealing that bad boy. <laughs> Boof. Show me your tattoo. Um, so, um, but the idea was that it was going to be conversational. People would know about that before they came in, you know. Um, but it was funny because I'd, I think people had seen people like Dave Gorman and what have you. And originally, the show that I was writing was really static and like, oh, I'm going to do material like this and I'm going to do material like that. And I'm going to do material like that. And then at literally about a month out from the fringe, I went, I'm going to throw all this out because I'm I'm not enjoying this. And what I want the show to be is about me talking to people and making it more fun and making it more casual. So literally six weeks out from the fringe, I completely, I completely threw it out and started again. And even that, you've got to have the, you've got to have the confidence to go, nah, I mean, I'm I'm awful for that. I mean, anyone that's worked in the pantos for the last couple of years, I tell you, there's nothing worse than four weeks before the panto. Me going, this scene's shite. We need to read it. You you wrote it. Yep, I know. But I've written it again. <laughs> you know. Um, um, I guess I just like to keep things like that. I like to keep them moving and, and improving. I, I think that's where it comes from. There's a there's an innate there's an innate desire to create. Um, that goes along with stand up, but it's kind of its own vein. So. Yeah, I don't know if it's necessarily a good thing or if I have the time. Like I, what, Maybe I'm chasing that one good idea. Maybe I'm chasing my Mona Lisa or something. I'll have that one thing and go, fucking nailed it. Or, I'll, you know, the, the fucking Apple iPhone. Maybe do that one thing and I'll go, brilliant. I wish somebody would turn around and tell me that. I wish somebody would turn around and go, just to stand up or see that podcast idea that you came up with, just do that. That's going to be a big hit and everything else will branch off that. But. I think it's why you, you've evolved so much and got to where you are and things because you're always chasing. The problem I've, I've found with clients and people that, that I know in the industry and, and like you meet comedians and stuff through work and then you meet them about a year later at a show and you're like, how are you getting on? Oh, sort of give that up. It wasn't for me. I, whereas you're always, you're the same as me, you're always looking, right, I've done that, that's good. What can I improve on what so you're always involved and always improving it in all aspects that's why people can name their tattoo and you're able to like make light of it but not in a like nobody went away from that show thinking he said my tattoo was shite and, and it's not shite. yeah like the, you made light of it and it was funny and they felt part of the show yeah and it's funny because it's it's it, and it's on as well it's it's almost a mechanism just to have a conversation i will tell you about me now, I want you to tell me about you. And if it's, yeah. a, you know, it could be a, a tattoo, it could be a loving tribute or something like that. I can ask this for my friend Darren. He, he passed away last year as my best mate. What's, your, what's the silliest thing Darren ever did that made you laugh? And immediately you see people go, oh, well, we went on a stag night to Minsk and he ended up fighting a bear. You know, you just, you literally, and, and, and then we start talking about Darren and we start talking about the bear and, and other people will go, oh, my stag night. And it just becomes something different and we're sharing, you yeah. know, and, and I, I think that's what I like about that. Um, and the idea of, I don't know so much if, if, if chasing, but the idea of always wanting to do things. Do you know, there was that, um, there was a quote uh, from Walt Disney of all people who said uh, um, um, 
he, 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 one of his biggest fears was running out of time. Running out of time to do all the things he wanted. Like, he never got to do, like, I think Epcot, like, at Disneyland was, like, his fucking dream. Uh, or, or maybe the one in Orlando, the, like, the Magic Kingdom in Orlando was, like, his thing. Couldn't wait to do it and didn't make it. He didn't make yeah. it. There was all the planning. I don't think he saw the opening day. Um, and I think there's an element of that. It's like just an element of satisfaction as we go. That'd be nice. I mean, I'd love it if the days were 40 hours. Sleep is an annoyance. Um, sleep is really fucking annoying. Uh, like even last night when I think I got like three hours, three hours sleep. But I think as well because I want to continue working in the creative industries and I, and I do, I genuinely do. Even during these ridiculous times where we don't know what's going to be happening, uh, I'm on the radio. I've got a job in the creative industries, whatever way folk look at it. It might just be a little bit of gentle banter in the mornings and trying to make people smile. But um, I wouldn't have got that if I hadn't have done a podcast. You know, I yeah. wouldn't have done that if I hadn't have taken a corporate gig for Bauer, who are the people that run, uh, own, the station that I work for. So all these things are connected, you know, and it's, um, you never know what the next challenge is. You never know what the, the next challenge is. You just got to be ready to go, yes, or oh, I could make a mess of that. Oh, what a story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's what, what it, like the yes thing you said, that's twice you've talked about that. So I'm the same. I'll say yes to everything and then like work it out later. I remember the, the first time I ever started teaching um, courses on body language and observation and memory skills. It was over the phone, and, and the guy sitting beside me was watching me on the phone, agreed to one. Yeah, yeah, I've got a course designed to that. And yeah, no, I teach a lot of body language. And then I hung up the phone, and he was like, Do you do any of that? And I was like, No, nah. I know how to teach it. I've taught it one to one, I've never taught it in a group, but I'll, I'll be able to do it. And he was like, when, when does the course start? And I was like, Tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> like I to design a course and teach it, and I ended up working for that company for two years off there the back go. of that. So I think because we, we're we're open to yes, and you talked about fear as well. People are afraid of of looking stupid or afraid of failure. So your mind works kind of the same as mine. Yes, I'll either do this, be awesome, and achieve it. Or it will completely blow up in my face, but it will be an awesome story to be able to tell. Like if you do, people don't have stories, I think it's because they don't try stuff. Like yeah, best I mean, your failure, failure. Oh, I can. I mean, I can. Uh, I. I don't. I think I've said this before. I couldn't complain if everything finished, like what I'm doing. I. I couldn't complain. I had one hell of a run. Do you know what I mean? I've got to do some fucking inc- amazing things. Um, I could write a book if I could remember half of them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but and, and you've got to be careful because you can get yourself into traps. Like, I mean, I've got three kids now, so I know that. Like, uh, like here's here's an example. I I become frustrated with my career and things that were going on at the start of the year. Like, why is that guy getting that, and why is that not happening, and why don't blah 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 blah. Um, and then um, I realized that one of my one big thing you need to do is was a silly thing because I'd chased money or making sure the bills were paid and doing X, Y, and Z. And I chased money the last four Augusts. I hadn't been at the fringe doing a full run. And I realized that, um, well, that's stupid because like, that's the Super Bowl of where comedians and performers are meant to go. So all my frustration, why is that guy no good? Cause I'm not there. Yeah. And the only person that wasn't taking me there 
was me. Nobody's stopping me from going. You might go, oh, what about money and what have you? Well, other people seem to manage. Why would I not manage? I'll work twice as hard as everyone else, you know, but I, I should be at the fringe. And it's, it's interesting the traps you get yourself into, which you can do. I mean, I'm sure you find yourself going, oh, I've been so busy working this. Oh, fuck. Why? I missed that. I missed that. Why, why did I miss that? Because I was so busy worrying about X, Y, and Z. And I'm not saying that family and what they're important. They're the reason that I'll, I'll go out that door. You know, they, yeah. I go out that door so I can come back, you know, um, and that's the other reason I want to continue working in the creative industries. I want to be there, you know, Saturdays and weddings and be at home to talk my kids in because there's plenty of times I'm not. Um, but I, and I, I think it's just, uh, it was interesting making that adjustment mentally and going, oh, fuck. One of the biggest problems with my career, and it's a horrible thing to have to finally admit after 15 years in, it's like, oh, my God, it's me. <laughs> I'm the fucking problem. Uh, because somewhere that little imposter syndrome or I don't know what it is, all the things and it's and it's the reason I bring that up because I think you constantly do have to evolve. I think fifth after uh, a few years of just working really hard, I got over myself. Mm. Maybe it was lockdown that did it, I have no idea, but I got over myself. I should be at the fringe. Well, I was going to the fringe this year. And so I can at least give myself a pan for that. <laughs> like, I was fucking going. I got my place. Like it was all sorted. But it, um, but it's interesting that sometimes I think it is important just to take a little look. And it's hard to do, man. It's hard to do when you're like, oh god, I've got a car payment, I've got a loan, I've got a mortgage, yeah. you know, blah blah blah. blah. Um, but it, and it can be a job for you working in creative arts. But um, it's also like fucking enjoy it. It's really important to enjoy it. Um, and that's why when everything comes back, man, I'm going to be grinning like a Cheshire cat. You're going to be, fuck, I'm going to be so fucking sick of me. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I think, I think it's important to, like, I, I did that last October. Right. I realized that I wasn't overly happy in what I was doing. I was like, I need to just check this out. So I sat down and checked. And I ended up, like, wiping out all my social media. I deleted everything. Got rid of it, everything except the podcast. I, I had been doing a daily podcast for a year. Yeah. That was my, like, that was a wee goal. And I, I, I always try to, if I can, I will like, succeed at my goal. So I was like, I'll delete everything. I'll keep doing the podcast. But people were asking me all, like, I got asked eight times that I have a mental breakdown because I went off Facebook and Instagram and deleted everything. And I was like, no, I'm having a mental clear out. I'm not happy doing what I'm doing. I, need, I want to do something different. So I was the same boat as you. What was holding me back was me. So even yeah. if you if you think about the first time, we did a podcast a long time ago when I was first doing podcasts. So when I was yeah. just, just solely being um, the private guy, I was very professional. I worked with a lot of anxiety and depression and everything. So I would never curse. I, would, I wouldn't really talk about the fact that I loved wrestling or fighting or any of that sort of stuff. I would never have had a room full of weapons behind me. Well, that's the thing I find so fascinating about this because, Liam, I don't remember you mentioning you enjoying wrestling. What I remember you mentioning Diamond Dallas Page. Yeah. But I didn't know all the other stuff. That's just, like, I didn't Diamond want... Dallas Page because it made sense because he was, everybody knew that video of the part. The Arthur one, yeah. On so it fitted with, the persona that I had sort of created, like you had seen me on stage, I never cursed on stage, I never, no. I, I, like, because 
because of the way I'd set myself up, it's why I had to delete everything. I was like, look, I can't work with those sort of clients when part of me is still hidden amongst. Yeah. We wrestled. We, whenever we were younger, me and my brother and our friend Mengzi used to wrestle daily. Like when we bought a new carpet, say, for example, that was basically considered max. She'd be like, like I was light, my brother could lift me. And like, I remember, I remember one day we didn't do pinning because we were too stubborn. So if you did a one, two, three, you'd always be like, my shoulder was up, fuck off. Uh... So we, we weren't, we didn't play nice. So you either tapped out or cried. That was, <laughs> that was how, you, that's how you lost. And I remember Sean put me in a Boston Crab and like, bending me in half and I just refused to cry, refused to tap, refused everything and just kept saying, telling them to fuck off. And then Mingzi put me in a camel clutch at the same time. Oh, fuck! <laughs> and it, I know exactly, whenever I tell this story to people doing the rest and they're like, okay, yeah. That's too much. That's too much. That's but, too much. Yeah, but I was just like, no. I refu- just refused completely until I got like a proper... I thought it was going to break, so I had to give up eventually. But we always did it. Like we, that's I think it's why I was good at martial arts. We we wrestled for real. We didn't understand how to throw a punch, take a punch. We yeah. just battered each other, and then went on. So and like I, I grew up in it. Like I was going to wear my Hulk Hogan T-shirt for this interview because I knew you were wrestling, but I couldn't find it. Um, but I, I grew up all that. So so I fully get what you're saying about you can be the one that holds you back. And now I know, like I always got really good results with my clients and it took me to some incredible places. But now the people I work with have a better break breakthrough because I think they can sense when you're some slightly, people can sense when you're holding back. A bit. Mm. Especially when I was on stage, I found it wild hard on stage not to just rip into people whenever they were like, especially as a magician, when you take someone on stage, a lot of the time they want to fuck you over. And as a comedian, you can just ruin them with a statement. Whereas I was supposed to be all Shazam, like, all right, guys, stop calling me a wanker. Just pick a card there, please. So um, do you think now moving on in the future with with lockdown happening, like you're saying that you're going to go like a Cheshire cat, do you think you'll be more inclined to create ideas and, and run with them, even though now, like even though you've already said that, your brain's already gone. Uh, it's it's. Uh, I think I, I I am aware that I'm trying to be careful. Like I've got a list of ideas, and I'm going like, right, right. Which one of these can you actually do and do well? Why why not have a thousand different ideas about this this one yeah. thing yeah. as opposed yeah. to have a thousand ideas about different things? I mean, I'm terrible for like starting something and go, oh fuck, I should have done that. Oh, <laughs> I should have called it that. Oh fuck! I've had a much better idea. So um, um, I hope so. I hope so. Like I've even talked about doing stuff with my wife uh, as as well, which would be interesting. Although I don't know if she would put in the same. I'm, I'm a fucking nightmare to work with as well. And like, if you are not as much committed as me, I will not be able to do X, Y, Z. Then fucking, what's the point? Um, and these things that I'm bad at as well, like I'm terrible at marketing and what have you. But um, I think, yeah, I think I am going to try and be a little more careful, a little more honest 
little more uh, myself. There's been lots of things that have happened in, during lockdown uh, mentally, I think, which is good. It's, uh, it's, um, I think people have had goods and bad points during this thing. Um, I mean, I've, and I've had some bad points recently, but they really made me think about myself. They really made me think about, I don't like using terms like legacy, but it's like, well, what, what do I want to do? Like, why am I bothered about what other people think? Why, yeah. why, why, why literally does that bother me? It hasn't bothered me before. When did it start bothering me? And what am I bothered that they think? Well, that guy's a dick. Well, you don't know me. Shut up. Yeah. Now, yeah. Next. No, the, the guy you've seen on stage you think is a dick. The guy you listen to on the radio you might think is a dick. But you don't know me, so why should I care? Yeah. Um, why, why should I care? And it, all I'm concerned about is like entertaining few people. Making sure that if they come and see something or they're involved with something that I've done, that they, they saw a value in it to themselves. That was 30 minutes. That was funny. I enjoyed that. Look forward to the next episode. I don't want to make billions. I don't want to be filling fucking stadiums. I never have. I would like a small <laughs> group of people <laughs> that could camp in the back of my house. Um, I, that, that's, that's all. I, I think, yeah. And then, um, like, even doing shows next year, it's funny because I was meant to do one of the Glasgow Comedy Festival called Happy Goth. And at one point I was going to make that a brand that was going to be like a podcast and all that type of thing. But I've realized during lockdown, even some of the stuff that's happened, it would influence what I talk about or what I would like to write about. Yeah. Um, like some of the silly and ridiculous stuff that I've even done on videos in lockdown and, you know, I've, I've written that went, you know, I would actually quite like to talk about that. Cause it's, cause like my, my dad passed away about a month ago. Um, yeah. And, and it made me think about, well, first of all, I was, like for the, I was the adult. I was the on the ground adult. And that hadn't happened in a long time. Yeah. Uh, like my, one brother's in New Zealand, stuck there. Can't, can't come home. The other one's in London. His wife's just had back surgery. I had to do everything. I had to do literally everything. I was the adult in that situation. And, and even thinking about that, when my dad passing, it made me think about, how he'd lived his life in his later years and how I would want to live my life and, and even aspects of like, even just saying to, oh, it sounds silly, but even say to someone the other day, it was like, well, you know, when I get to the point where I'm just beyond, just buy me antlers and wheel me out into a forest and let a hunter take care of me because I'm gone. What do I care? And they were horrified. They were horrified. It was like, well, I, I won't know what's happening. Why should I care? I don't want some a grandson. Do you want to see the ducks, uncle? You know, do you want to see the ducks, grandpa Billy? No, I don't. I fucking hate ducks. <laughs> don't take it to the fucking ducks. <laughs> you know, I, it's a... Uh, um, and even that, which some people might consider horrific, is kind of something I want to talk about now. Um, so it's you all good. You want to be Bambi, Bambi's mama. You're saying you want to be ruled out by Bambi's mom. Yeah, that, 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 listen, Bambi would be ideal for me because um, my mum was shot by a hunter and she was a stripper. But uh, <laughs> but uh, whatever, uh, um, yeah, stuff like that. So it's it's uh, it's evolving in a very direct direct way. I I know so many comedians that are so driven. Like I've got my five year plan and I'm doing this and I'm doing that and I'm doing this and doing, and you know something. Hats off to them. I wish I had your drive. I wish you could look at what I do and go, oh, this is how you do that, and you'll be able to do. <laughs> x do you know what i mean yeah um, um but i've also kind of accepted as like well that's not how i do things yeah. I, I i wish i wish i could have the joe rogan idea do you know what i mean like oh i'll just do a podcast about fucking i don't know i'll do a podcast about trainers 
and it'll become the biggest podcast in the world and everyone can, and I can do that and people that see that will come and see me do stand-up. That would be great, but I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. Or it could. I don't know. It's, it could happen at some point. It kind of sounds like your, your mind works like a spider diagram, but instead of a spider diagram that has a central point, it just keeps spidering out. Like each, yeah. You make ads a new spider and, and that's why. But you enjoy what you do, so I think that's important. Like that's, If you didn't enjoy it, then I would be sitting here saying, you need to do something about this, if the, but you actually enjoy. Like I, I'm pretty good at, at structuring. I know this will lead to here, but even like this podcast, the idea behind this podcast was, first of all, because I talk about a lot of my mentors and the people that I meet, I thought it would be better just to have a conversation and be able to say, remember I talked about a friend of mine that's worked with all the wrestlers. Like I've used you as an example. Um, I don't know if we've talked about this, but I've worked with like, um, young young teenagers and stuff like different I work with the Northern Ireland homeless and I work with just a few wee kids that would be kind of lost and if they bring up wrestling I'll talk to them and be like I have a mate Billy who and a few times they're like Billy Kirkwood and I'm like I, I you know and it's actually helped me bridge the gap between he's just some bald guy who's going to try to tell me my life shit and I need to fix it till he actually knows about wrestling and knows wrestling people and like yeah. has met a few different ones and stuff. Um, so that, that that was the point of my podcast for me was to go, remember that guy I was telling you about, here's a podcast of me having a chat with him and how he got yeah. where he is and stuff. So that's like, I came from nothing really. So people can see like no qualifications, no skills, no sports skills, nothing. You can go, well, how, how do you know all these like masters of their craft and like it's like that you're saying yes like we're, we can it's, everything. it's one of those things that I, I think it's crazy it's crazy I, I think of some people that i know who i consider friends like uh like i know mark it's the weird most surreal thing i i know mark miller who wrote uh likes of kick-ass the comic book and wanted and super crooked and the boys which is now on amazon and is fucking yeah. uh place up. so far what's that Everything he has done has been awesome. Like, well, yeah, well, and and I met him because he saw me at the Stan Comedy Club in Glasgow, and um, I don't, how the fuck did we meet? Like, how I wonder how we came into contact with each other. Um, but like, I, I did some like stuff for him. Um, uh, he did this thing he's on Kapow, which was like uh, I remember filming a tester trailer for him for a film. Well, I knew, I knew. He wasn't like I knew they weren't going to use me in the fucking film, <laughs> <laughs> but but, uh, but even at that, I, I I thought it was cool. And, and he became he became a pal. He became a genuine pal who I've asked the advice of a couple of times. He's helped my wife with uh, comic book stuff because she obviously graphic novels and comic books is a great way to branch with kids, particularly in this day and age. Because yeah, they're talking about everything now. Uh, and I think it was I think he started coming to see me do improv at the stand in Glasgow. Would come regularly with a group of people. In fact, I remember he introduced me to the director of one of my favourite movies I'd ever met, and I was like, are you fucking shitting me? <laughs> uh, I, was, I was at a party uh, at his house, uh, and he goes, oh, this is, uh, oh, this is such, and such, such and such, and this guy goes, hi, I'm Joe, and I go, lovely to meet you, Joe, uh, and I'm standing there l- listening to them for about 10 minutes, and they keep mentioning names. They at one point mentioned Brad and Angelina, 
and I did not make the connection. <laughs> I did not make the connection until I was finally talking about Brad Pitt. Oh, fuck. Uh, and then finally, Joe says, "Oh well, uh, we're getting working on this. Uh, this uh, it's going to be great. It's like Liam Neeson in it, and uh, uh, Rampage Jackson is going to play BA. He's going to do a great job." And it's like, "All right, what's that?" And he goes, "Oh, I'm directing the Eighteen movie." And I was like, "Fuck me! You're Joe Carnahan. You directed Nark. Like, <laughs> I fucking love Nark." Uh, and it just came out. I, I just. But that's how I live in a situation. I know a person. I've met a person. I don't really, you know, it's, it's nice to get to know them. And that, even that was fucking amazing because then he started asking me questions about stand-up. Like, <laughs> what do you do when it goes wrong? It's like, well, when you start out, it's the worst thing in the world. But after a while, see when like, a gig goes really bad, you kind of start reveling in it a wee bit. <laughs> that inevitably kind of turns it round. Uh, but yeah, so that's a, it's, it's weird. It's weird the people you meet. In fact, um, Mark's helping us out with as part of this. We're trying to save Scottish comedy and save uh, UK comedy and save Irish comedy. And we're writing to all these boards and he put his name to the letter and very much appreciated because he loves comedy. He's a big comedy fan. He's friends with, friends with Daniel Sloss. Wouldn't surprise me if he was, wouldn't surprise me if he knew uh, Mickey Bartlett. And Colin wouldn't surprise me at all. Well, I think I think the the way you meet people is because you are who you are. You're Popeye. <laughs> I say that a lot to people I talk to because uh, you are like whenever you, like you said it. The person that you're on stage is different from who you are, but really they're all components of you. And when you meet, you're such a genuine person to meet up and and talk with. Like how we got talking properly was because you had said your back was sore, and I was That's like, right. well. I've been doing kinesiology for 14 years. I could probably help in some way. Whereas if there's not many people I would meet on a first, first time ever meet them and then offer something like that, because I, th- I but, think it was literally the next day as well. You oh, had yeah. me on the bed in your, in your, in your spare room <laughs> before my flight, my wife fell asleep in the corner yeah. <laughs> on the chair. Poor woman. The yeah. whole weekend in Oma, I just kept that woman awake like 24 seven. It must've drove her fucking nuts. But I think that's why, like, and again, I, I would be the same as you. When I meet people, they're people. Like, just since you mentioned Liam Neeson, I, I did extras for a show, and uh, one of the shows he was the lead in. I can't even remember what it was called. I didn't watch the movie. It looked like a terrible movie. <laughs> oh, was that one that was filmed over there? Was yeah. it like a TV movie with James Nesbitt? No, no, this was one where, like, the girl in it had cancer. and Oh, fuck. <laughs> it was so grim, like, but we ended up chatting about um, the fight training that he had for Taken and stuff because everyone else talked to him as like, oh my God. whereas yeah. I was like, did you actually do fight training? There's no way a lot of them claim they did, but they didn't. So we got chatting about Krav Maga and, and boxing and stuff. And I'm like, you're just chatting to a person. So you, you, I'd imagine you're the same when you meet anyone as you were when you met me or Apart from whenever you fanboy, like you're bound to fanboy. I fanboyed a wee bit when I met Mick Foley. <laughs> I fanboyed. I, fan, I, I, I remember. I'm, see, the thing is, bizarrely, I'm, I'm actually quite shy. Like, <laughs> so I'm not, I know that'll sound silly, but there's, there's, like, if you went to me right now, if we were in a packed restaurant and you went, get on that table and get everyone's attention, I wouldn't have a fucking problem with it. Right, not a problem, and up I go. Uh, but if you went, right, I'm... Like, could you go over and ask those two people over there if uh, directions? I'd be like, 
fuck are you joking? <laughs> like that, that would like literally cripple me with fear. Uh, um, so a bit weird. Like I, 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 I'm not like that with everyone. Depends on situation. If you can get me in a situation where I'm comfortable, and yeah. I think maybe I can get a read on you. Like we got to know each other a little bit before. Uh, God, God, I think we've seen each other before by that point, and you're kind of giving up yourself, aren't you? It's like all yeah. weekend. Um, but uh, but even like to the Mick Foley situation, like I remember um, um, I hadn't met Mick, and then. Um, and somebody went, right, Mick wants to talk to you because he wants you to help you out with a skit. And it was like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Now I've got to meet Mick Foley. <laughs> and all I had to talk to Mick Foley, all I could think of was like, talk about roller coasters. <laughs> if the conversation dries up, talk about roller coasters. I've got roller coaster tattooed on my arms. You know, it's like, worst case, I'll talk about roller coasters. <laughs> um, but it was quite nice because it meant I got to meet him in a professional capacity. So we had a, we had something to break the ice, you know? Yeah. Um, but then I was like, yeah, but, but then I was in a, um, I filmed a cameo yesterday in a Zoom movie, right? Which I filmed right, standing right here. But the thing is, everyone else knew each other. <laughs> everyone else knew each other. And there was about 10 people in this call. And finally, the director goes, Billy, you've not said anything. And I went, I'm dead sorry. Everyone seemed to know each other. And I didn't want to be, I didn't want to fucking interrupt. <laughs> uh, but it took, and the full kind of laughed at that. It's like, oh, I just didn't want to butt in, you know. Uh, and it's it's a weird, it's a weird, it's a weird condition. It's yeah. a weird condition. But if someone randomly went in that exact same situation, hey, can anyone do a really bad impression of like Robert De Niro? I'd be like, oh my god, uh, you know. Um, I, w- I wouldn't think twice about it. I don't know. Maybe I feel like I need to open up. I need to let people see this is it before I feel comfortable. If it's like yeah. I that's I am I'm as big and you said about the different phases. I like, yeah, you're right. You definitely share elements of yourself as a performer. Like you definitely like I always say the guy on stage is more energetic, he's quicker, uh, he's uh, can be much more of an arsehole than I'll ever meet. Uh, he's probably got a temper that I'll I don't have. You know, these elements of me there. Um yeah. And maybe as I'm getting a little older, I'm starting to share them, but uh, um, but uh, he's not me. He's not me when I'm... And it's weird because I think people sometimes see as a performer and then they go, oh, he's, oh I, met, I, met him in, I met him in Tesco's. He didn't have much to say. Well, I wouldn't be walking around Tesco's cracking jokes and, hey, you know, that would drive people fucking nuts. Just imagine yeah. such a horrid thing. Um, you'd think, what a ball bag. What an absolute ball bag. Yeah, um, I always think it's weird. Like, you never... Like, if you met, like, Robert De Niro, for example, you wouldn't expect him to be one of his characters. You would expect him to be yeah. a, a person. But I've seen that as a performer. People will, like, meet me somewhere ridiculous where you just have no time or anything. And they're like, show us a trick. And you're like, what? I, was, I remember being asked on the way to the stage by someone to show me a trick. And later <laughs> on... They called me an asshole after my routine. After I did the stage, and they're like, "I would, you say all that good stuff up there, but you're an asshole." Like I asked you to show me a trick, and I was like, "I was fucking literally on the way to the stage." There's nothing you can do about it. It's like when people go, "Oh, come in, tell us a joke." It's like, "Well, you've got a fucking attitude, so you're getting like that." That'll be the only time. Well, you've got a fucking attitude, so that's something. I'll tell you something that'll make me laugh. I'll beat you in your butt. Like that's the guy on stage's defense mechanism fucking starting. Yeah. Uh, um, um, 
But yeah, you know, I can I can understand that. I can under I can certainly under that, that would annoy the piss out of me. Like if he's not worse that you turn up at a gig and go, you better be fucking funny. It's like I'm uh, fucking where are you, where are you well, yeah. yeah, where are you what? sitting? Where are you sitting? That's <laughs> why whenever it's like a guy's first couple of times, like Daly's always let people go for the first time and then they were like saying to him, You better be funny and you're like, he's already shitting himself, like leave him alone or like I've seen a few of them backstage and then when big names in the industry are there, they're like already freaking out and then they see them and then they're like, oh shit. Now, uh, and then they start to panic because like their heroes there and then they're going to go on yeah. stage and they don't realize that their hero's busy preparing his own show. He doesn't give a fuck about you going over there and going on. So um, yeah, I think that the, the, the way people assume just because you are like that on stage, that that's how you talk to your kids at home. Yeah. I, lo- I love what Paul. Yeah, I love the idea. I love the idea of that's like a scene from a movie. That's hilarious. The idea you walk into a stage and somebody going, Show's a trick. <laughs> it's like, um, well, I'm just I'm just gonna go and do this first. Fucking I'm a dick. I'm just I, to, I paid my money. <laughs> you not hear my name being called literally before Liam! I walked <laughs> Wait, yeah. Where is he, Liam? I'm just two seconds. Just like pick a pick a card, you pick a card. <laughs> uh, what a nightmare! What a nightmare! And then what? Even I offer people like I I need people to interact. So I'll say, does anybody want to come up with me? He never even put his hand up. Asshole! Oh, he's an asshole. Then yeah. I'm calling yeah. that. I'm calling that situation. <laughs> that guy's an asshole. Uh, well, I'd have loved to have went on after you. <laughs> I'd have loved to have went on after you. I just was was happy. I'm I'm quite good at switching on and off because yeah, I could have been quite devastating to someone to walk, just be called an asshole just before <laughs> having yeah. performed yet, and they already hits me. This is going to be a good night. But you've done the ring, you've done the ring miles, you've done the you know yeah. what I mean, you've you've done the times, and it it does help you. And uh, I mean, I'm terrible in an argument. I will fucking start laughing. See, like <laughs> I am. <laughs> Like my, I can't remember. My kids knocked over another kid at a soft play, uh, and then they got into a wee scuffle, and then they broke up, and then they were best friends. But I remember his dad, who was a big, aggressive-looking dude, pure kicking off at me, going, it's "Fucking ridiculous, man! You should fucking do that." And I pure started smiling, and pure started laughing about it, went, "Fucking laughing at me when I am because it's ridiculous how how angry you get." <laughs> and and you literally saw how deflated that made him, like. Yeah. This guy doesn't even find me intimidating. It's like, no, because what you're doing is hilarious. Yeah. What you're doing is actually hilarious. You get, I want you to tell, so let's say you punch me, knock me out. You're then going to have to explain to someone why you were so angry. Yeah. yeah and, and I think that is what made me laugh. I, lo- I love that. I love random male aggression. It makes me fucking, I'm going to kick his cunt. And no, you're not. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> Settled down. I, I like did years of bar work and stuff, and you would get that people would say like I'm getting threatened, and I remember a guy threatening, "I'm gonna kill you," and as all his mates were cheered, and I was like, "Hold on, you're gonna murder me? Like actually make me be dead because I won't serve you a drink." And all your mates think it's good that you are gonna murder a human. And they're like, yeah, "You're lifesaver." Uh, we're not gonna murder you. I'm like, "Well, that's what kill means. I will. I'm gonna beat you up. I'm like, you're gonna beat me up." Why? 
It doesn't sound very intimidating, does it? <laughs> I, I think the worst I ever had was uh, I'm going to uh, an audience member uh, put down aggressively going, I'm going to kick your cunt in. And I went, oh, don't worry, I'll deal with this. Right, see the movie in your head. It's one shot. I go down, I don't cause you any problems, and everyone cheers and what a good guy you are. But you see, if this comes down to this kerfuffle, mate, that's not how real fights work. So <laughs> I'm going to get a couple of licks in, and you're going to have to fucking deal with that. So why don't you just sit down? So anyway, <laughs> and I remember a buddy of mine who was a comedian in the back went, that's like the best diffuse in a situation I'd ever seen in my life. Because the guy literally did go, oh, he seems, uh, well, I probably wouldn't just, no, I'll sit down. <laughs> and yeah. also, I'd say that though, my arsehole's going like that. And I did remember thinking, I will twat him with a microphone. <laughs> he comes anywhere near me, he's getting a mic between the eyes. Uh, maybe it'll buy me five minutes while I run out the back. All the years of wrestling might have kicked in though. You might have started like slapping elbows. And... I could choke a guy out. Yeah, see, see, something, something would have appeared. Boston Crab or like yeah. something would have appeared out of summer. Am I doing it? I've done, I've done some jiu-jitsu and some uh, uh, um, grappling training, so I, I could probably get him in a... Ch I could probably choke him <laughs> If worst came to the worst... Yeah, if he were to turn away from me and stand exactly how he needs to, <laughs> maybe, and he's not too... Maybe I could choke him out. If he stuns exactly like it does in the book and the instructor showed me, maybe I could choke him out. I find that That's hilarious whenever you get people that have done martial arts for maybe a month. And they start in the pub and like I've had people grab my wrist and start doing something and I'm like, What what are you doing? Oh, this is I did jujitsu and I'm like, okay, <laughs> when are you gonna start? What what is that <laughs> <laughs> at me and bar ten, a bar I used to work in, the guy I ended up doing a, a wrist flick and I like one of the most basic drops and he just hit the deck and his brother just stood looking at me like, What happened? And I was like, I don't know. He told me he did jiu-jitsu and he lay down, so I'm assuming he's only at that part where he's lay down and then roll around with each other. I don't know how he ended up on the floor. I don't know what's going on. Um, I think we went way over. I've taken you longer because I just love this conversation. Sorry, well, well, I'll tell you what. You, why don't you ask me some last-minute stuff and we'll, and we'll wrap this uh, bad boy up. So one of the things that came up that I wanted to ask you was, what is the... Like you've done some crazy things and I, I've asked you about loads of them, but what is the one thing that sticks out for you as like the most prestigious or the best or the most exciting or? Oh God. Um, <laughs> kind of comes back to what I was saying at the start it's about not living in the, the moment. I don't think, um, you know, I think these gigs that I've gone away, I've walked up to with fear and I've walked away from going, that was good. I did that. Like the first time I, uh, um, in fact, the only time now I come to think of it, I've never emailed them back. No point right now, is that? <laughs> is uh, the Belfast Empire. Uh, when I when I turned up at that and I heard all the stories, I heard all the stories how we could be yeah. a bear pet and blah 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 blah. blah. And uh, I'm pretty sure um, I'm pretty sure Colin was was emceeing. Um, what the first time I saw him. Just fucking amazing. If anyone should ever watch this and you've, you've never watched Colin Murphy, you don't know what you're missing. It's incredible. Uh, anyway, and it's his gig, really. I mean, it's his yeah. and Jake's. I've never met Jake, and I know Mickey did stuff from time to time. Um, but I knew that I wasn't opening. Uh, but I knew I was closing. I was expected to do 40 minutes. Part of me went like, what if what if I'm dying on my hole? 
<laughs> five minutes in, in the Belfast Empire, in the middle of fucking Queens. What if I die in my hoop here? Um, and it was another one of those situations like, what's the worst thing that can happen? What's the worst thing? And that, it sounds like an odd, oddly specific thing, but because it had such a rep, um, and I remember going, this is impo- this should be impossible, and fuck it, it was amazing. It's still one of my favourite gigs uh, that I've ever done. Um, and the other one, God, they're all gig-related, they're all gig-related. I mean, I should probably say, like, I've won a couple of awards and stuff like that. And, uh, and awards, uh, have you won? I've won like a couple of Scottish comedy awards and I won a BAFTA. Um, Just, uh, I like how excited you were about the belt <laughs> and then the awards. You're like, yeah, I got awards, yeah. Uh, um, and, yeah <laughs> have you seen um, my belt? Have you seen my belt? Have you seen, have you seen it? It's amazing. <laughs> uh, um, I think, um, I mean, uh, lots of stuff with ICW. I mean, some of the time in my life was the tours that we went on across the UK. Um, getting better at that has been a real, real, it's, I, I find I, I get buzzies from little things. I never go, yes, I've done it. I fucking made it. I go, that was a great show. That was good. I really enjoyed that. Um, that is what I will be buzzing about at 11 o'clock the next morning. That's that's kind of that thing. So I think he's that. Um, getting to go and get... Oh, it's another Irish one. Is that not ridiculous? Supporting Frankie Boyle at the bottom of the Falls Road. Uh, for the Philly... Like, that was like... Because fuck, man, they told me all the stories. Again, it was like... Well, the guy last year walked, on after, walked off after five minutes and you're like... Boys, what have you done? Like, I'm thinking, I'm going to die in my hole here. Uh, Lenny Henry didn't last very long. Fuck. <laughs> uh, and, and, uh, and my dad, did, who at the time had just moved back to the, the Falls Road. Um, he th- ironically, he thought he was wrapping up everything. Uh, oh, fuck, I lived for another four years. Um, and ended up moving back to Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> wasted endeavor uh, but with the Irish family that was a big thing to me that was that was a big thing to me so uh, uh, and then it went well which again was like what the fuck um, so it's always stuff like that it's always stuff like that like doing ICW at the Hydro being the, the one of the first faces of ICW on the WWE network is probably a, a recent thing which I'm, I've seen it you've just been that's, re- that's recent you've just jumped on there isn't it we just jump on there. Very, it's I'm I'm more excited for the in-ring talents than anything else. The the right. work, the miles they have done. I play a small part of that show, and um, the the fact that that is going on there and folk are liking it is just I'm so I'm so excited for them. Um, I hope it leads to amazing things. Um, I'm worried that some of the horrible things I've said in commentary are going to come back and haunt me, but I'll deal with that at the time. Um, I reckon I'll probably get cancelled around about forty-five. Uh, if cancelling is still a thing by then, we haven't called it something else. Um, that's that's another, it, really, man. I don't think this is event that you got you got into by having a gig. As far as I remember, you were asked to do crowd warm up, and then that went. The that's day, right. You knew that's right. Were like, that's, that's what right. Was talking about? It was another. Do you want to do this? It's like fuck yes, I love wrestling. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I love wrestling, and because I'm a genuine wrestling fan, I'm just not some yeah. awesome comedian trying to get a gig. It kind of worked out, and like I say, Dallas runs a company is one of my best mates, and uh, and that all, that all happened as part of it. It's uh, I can't I can't complain if I just hope everything can come back for them. I think it's going to be an interesting world when everything 
does eventually yeah. open up, and I've no doubt that it will. Maybe I'll be working in Tesco by then. It'll be like <laughs> thanks to comedy, you know, or, or something. Um, but uh, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. But I don't have specific events. I probably should have an answer. One of the most heartfelt events, one that is very close to my heart, was we did a gig in Glasgow about uh, eight years ago, I think it was, for the Cluther Trust because there's a bar in the centre of Glasgow called the Cluther. Uh, that a helicopter um, crashed into. Um, it's I think it made international news, but there were people killed and families really affected. Within 20 days, we filled the O2 Academy here in Glasgow, and I was on with a very famous lineup. But I managed to blag my way onto this lineup by just pretty much saying, "I'll bring the energy and I'll do stuff no other fucker is doing." I promise you, I can I can do something silly, folk will love it. And that gig, despite it being such a sad situation, um, the warmth of that crowd, like I will say the, the Scottish crowd and the Irish crowd, they've got real similarities, yeah. um, real, real similarities. It's like home turf. But uh, that one's always stuck with me because that was an emotional night. You, had, you got seven minutes, son, make it count. Oh, Fucking <laughs> just went out and, and blitzed it. Uh, but I was again, I was excited because I went right. I didn't fuck it up. The <laughs> next guy gets to come on and ride the wave. You know what I mean? Like yeah. everyone had been really, really good. Uh, but that that's always been one that's stuck in my mind, and that's one that uh, the foot. Do you know the worst thing is they filmed it, and the footage got damaged. Oh. So the, the footage doesn't exist. But there's pictures. But it's actually one of those weird ones that I constantly go. That one. That that's that's one of my all time favorite gigs, and just all time experiences. We just love. It was a room full of love. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Full of love. It was. It was awesome. That's awesome. Um. So where do the listeners and watchers find you? Where's best to get you? You know, the best place to get a hold of me is probably on Facebook. Uh, I would probably say right now I don't have a website. Don't really see the point. Everyone keeps telling me you need to get a website. I probably should, but I'm not going to. So uh, if you put in uh, Facebook, uh, Billy Kirkwood Comedian, uh, I will pop up. Uh, I post Facebook links on there, funny videos, what I am up to. You can also check out my radio show, which is Billy Kirkwood Breakfast Broadcast on West FM. The good thing is about it is this, that I don't keep it particularly local. Uh, we have listeners in New Zealand, America, Canada, Qatar, uh, um, Iraq. There's a boy over in Iraq that listens to us all the time. Um, so uh, if you find yourself one a little alternative to maybe the local stuff, feel free to send us there. And I'm on Instagram, Billy Kirkwood Comedy. That's probably the, the best places to find me. I'll, I'll put links to everything and everything when I share it. So, uh, Billy, thanks again. I really appreciate you coming on. I really enjoyed this hey. conversation. This has been great. It's been, uh, uh, God, I can't believe it's been so long. Yeah. I can't believe it's been so long. Oh, and it probably is perfect timing because it sounds like my wife has just come home with the baby. <laughs> Hooray! Uh, so, thanks again. Um, all you listeners, thank you very much and I will speak to you on the next episode. Mm-hmm.